I'm Arlen Hamilton, and this is Your First Million. I'm a venture capitalist. I started my fund Backstage Capital from the ground up while I was on food stamps. I have now invested in more than 100 companies led by women, people of color, and LGBT founders. After having raised more than $10 million, people often ask me how I did it. I created this podcast so I could tell you my story and so that together we could go on a journey and speak with some of the most successful people in the world from all backgrounds and walks of life to learn how they got their first million. And who knows, maybe I'll reach my first million in personal capital while I'm recording this series. There's only one way to find out. Let's go. Hey, hey, welcome back to your first million. It's Arlen. Still here in uh, Sweden. Sweden, can I say that? Sweden. I'm in Sweden just for a couple of days. I was really uh, thrilled to visit a hackathon that was being put on by a group called Unitech that Nora and Heaven manage. And they invited me to, actually I crashed if we're being honest. I met them, two women of color. I met them a few months ago in Stockholm, the first time I visited and we hit it off. They mentioned that they were having this big hackathon for black and brown founders and black and brown techies and people who were interested in just learning about tech and the blockchain especially. And I was like, hey, can I can I come to it? Can I come to the party? And they were like, sure, you know, stop by. So <laughs> that's sort of how it happened. Uh, There's a lot to, a lot that went into it, but I'm here and I went to it and it was really awesome. So I enjoyed myself. Thank you all for welcoming me and uh, and listening. And this episode is one for the books, y'all. You're really going to enjoy this. This one is with Tiffany Dufu, who recently raised her first million dollars in investment capital for her startup called The Crew, spelled C-R-U, The Crew. She's going to tell you all about it. We learn all about the ins and outs of the business model, of the impetus of why she started it, and just navigating the fundraising. I mean, I get asked all the time, how do you fundraise? Uh, should I fundraise? Those types of questions are answered and talked about in this conversation. So you're not going to want to miss this no matter who you are, no matter what kind of company you have. If you're out there raising your first round or your second round, this is the episode for you. I also have to say, Tiffany has a very, very radio-friendly voice. I don't know. It reminded me of like Dr. Pamela Jolly from the very first episode of this podcast. It's just really nice to listen to. So you're going to want to listen to it, you know, while you're doing other work, I think, and get a little bit of that Zen feeling that we got from Justin Can a few episodes ago, too. And I go between calling him Justin Can and Justin Khan. So I'm hoping that uh, someone corrects me soon. <laughs> All right, y'all. This episode is fire. Oh, oh, don't we wish I could sing fire? No. You know, just a side note when I was a child, for about 45 minutes to an hour one day, I thought I could sing. Like, I really thought that I had discovered that I could sing. <laughs> so. 
I was in my room, in my bedroom, singing my heart out to Whitney Houston. And I, the way I heard it, I had convinced myself that I was singing the way she sings. And I was just discovering this voice that I never knew I had. And later my mom said she kept walking by because she thought something was wrong. <laughs> the things you remember <laughs> while you're sitting in your hotel room in Stockholm. All right, y'all, listen to this Tiffany Dufu of The Crew. I love that it rhymes. You're going to love this too. Uh-oh, triple rhyme, triple rhyme. It's really great to see you. I, I feel like I know you really well. Only because, and I don't, I don't know you really well. And I don't, I'm really excited to learn more about you. The reason I feel like I do, you feel familiar to me, is because your picture is on a book in my living room (laughs) that has not moved for several weeks. So talk to me about, you You live in uh, New York? I live in New York, but I'm not from New York. And I should start by saying... The the title of the book that's sitting there is called Drop the Ball for a reason. So if what you've had to drop the ball on is actually picking up that book, it's okay. Well, no, I'm saying the whole point of the book. Not many books make it into my living room. Okay, they make it into my office, but not my living room. So that I was that's progress. It yeah, it is. uh, uh, It's a joy to have it, and I have it on my list of books to read. You know, I feel like I'm John Stewart or something, or Oprah, where I have to like I get all of these early books too. Right. It's such a it's such a honor to be someone that people want to read their book. Yeah, uh, and I think I actually bought your book in I want to say Salt Lake City at the Barnes and Noble when I was the day I got my book deal. I went the day I got my book deal. I went to Barnes and Noble and Salt Lake City and I bought like 10 books and all types of books, like just all all in the business section um, and self. It's kind of inspirational section. Sure. And of course, there weren't that many by black women. So I picked yours up just based on the picture. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And that's kind of the. The point, isn't it? Yeah. It's like we don't see ourselves reflected that often. Exactly. What made you want to write that book? And what is the book about? Uh, as you know, expand on it. Well, the book Drop the Ball is just a response to question a problem that a lot of women have. So, I mean, my life's work is advancing women and girls. That's pretty much why I'm on the planet. That's why I'm here. In 2012, 2013, I was doing a lot of talking about leaning in like many of us were. I was on the speaking circuit. I spent a lot of time on stages speaking to large groups of women. And one of the observations that I made that year was that even though I was largely talking for 30 or 45 minutes about what I feel are collective solutions to you know women's problems like equal pay for equal work and affordable childcare and workplace culture, that whenever it was time for the Q&A, Women would always ask me personal questions that to me had nothing to do with what I had just spoken about for like 35 or 40 minutes. And usually the questions were something about work-life balance. So basically, yes, Tiffany, um, I know that you're married and you have a partner in Dubai, but you're here talking to us in San Francisco. You live in Harlem. You're going to be in Baltimore tomorrow, but you have two school-age kids and I like your dress. I like your shoes. You seem happy. And healthy, and you had this really impressive bio that the person, you know, read when they were introducing you. You look like you might go to the gym, and I'm just kind of wondering, like, what the hell? Like, how are you doing all of this? And I used to think that was a superficial question. 
like not a very important one, especially as a feminist. And I would be really irritated. Why don't men ever get this question? But I've been fortunate to work for several women who have really mentored and sponsored me. And one of those people is a woman named Marie Wilson. She built the Ms. Foundation. She started Take Our Daughters to Work Day. And I don't know if you've ever had a time in your life where someone very wise said something to you over and over again, and you were like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. But it wasn't until later in your life that you realized what that person meant. And I had one of those moments. It was like the the, the wax on, wax off Danielson. Yes, yes. And so Marie always used to say to me, I worked for her for six years, and she would say, honey, if you're ever going to create real change in the world, you're going to have to learn how to meet people where they are not expect everyone to come to where you are. And I realized in that moment that I was expecting women to come to where I was when, you know, I wanted them to like be the CEO and like put forth their ambition and I want them to lean in. And they're like, okay, but like this morning I was just trying to figure out like, how do I get out of the house at the right time with everyone with the right backpack? You know, can you help, can you help me with that? Right. And I decided that I should go ahead and answer this question. Um, because women weren't asking me, how do you do it all? Because they cared that much about the details of my personal life. They actually were asking because they're sitting in their seats wondering, how can I do all of this? 100%. And if my life's work really was advancing women and girls, then I owed them a better answer. So I that the book was just my response to that question that I answered in the hopes that, you know, women would let go and figure out what matters most to them and create a life that they were passionate about. When was it uh, published? 2017. 2017. And it's so cool. How do you feel when you hear that you published it in 2017, Mm -hmm. but I found it in 2019 and people are still finding it? It's bizarre. I read this really great book. So I wrote a book because I'm obsessed with books. I was an English major. I read lots of books. One of the books that I read was by a guy, uh, I can't remember his name, but it was called Perennial Seller. It was basically this book about how important it is when you're writing a book or when you're producing anything to create work that lasts, this idea of it being perennial. And that what you want to do is you want to create meaningful work that actually makes a difference in people's lives. And then you want to go ahead and sell it the way we should, but then you should move on to other things. If you have to keep selling it, then it didn't make as much of an impact. And what will keep people interested is the thing that you do next to actually exercise your purpose or your passion. And so that book gave me the freedom to say, okay, I wrote Drop the Ball. I'm going to promote it. My publisher would like me to do that. My agent would like me to do that. And then I'm going to solve the next problem that I've identified that I feel like women need me to solve. And that's how the crew was born. Well, that's a perfect uh, transition because you're here on your first million. Yes. Why? Why do you think you are on this show? Or why do you know you're on this show? Oh, because one of the women who's invested in me is this woman named Natalie, who's amazing. And I was at an event, I don't know, three, four days ago, however long, maybe last week. And she said, how are you doing on your raise? And I said, I raised it. I raised it. You know, sometimes we're so knee deep in doing the work. We forget to come up and actually tell people about it. And she took a picture and she said, I'm sending this to my girl, Arlen, because she, you need to be on her podcast. She has a podcast about your first million. And I said, wow, that's amazing. I've been so knee deep raising money. I haven't 
really <laughs> so been it's engaged. the raise so you raised a million or was it exactly a million or is it more than that it was a million sixty thousand yeah million. that's it it was that crowdfunded because that sounds like a, a, a reg something it was eight, number. it was 800 fvc funding so yes. it was a it was a round that was co-led by beta works shout yeah. out to peter rojas yes. and john borthwick they friends walk of the ours. talk friends They're of awesome. ours especially christy pitts yes. and peter they have yes. a podcast together yes they uh, they those guys are amazing and Karen Klein and uh, at Bloomberg Beta. So what is the crew and you spell it how? C-R-U. How do people find it first and then they what find is it? it? They find it at findyourcrew.com. Findyourcru.com. That's it. That's it. So what is the crew? The crew is a peer coaching platform for women who want to accelerate their personal and professional growth. The way that it basically works is that women apply to become members and our algorithm matches them with nine other women in their city. Those 10 women then become a crew and they collaborate to meet their life goals together, both online and in person. So we take the work out of networking and help women to achieve their goals. So it's like, think about having an accountability partner for your life, but it's 10 people mm-hmm. doing it together. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. Um, what's the business model there? It's a membership model. So women pay on an annual basis. They pay four ninety nine, and that's how we, yeah. that's how we earn, our, earn our revenue. How many members do you have? Or can you say, what numbers can you say as far as like membership across the country? Uh, we launched in May of 2018 with just a three-minute video on social. Hundreds of women started applying. I was a little overwhelmed by that. Mm. Uh, I had to pull in my own crew to mm. volunteer to interview women, and we matched 100 at first. So yes. uh, we, you know, we've had over a thousand women apply. But for us, it was really, and for me, it was really important to. I knew that we had some marketing success because women had signed up and wanted to be a part of this, but I really wanted to ensure that we could deliver on the experience. So we held folks on the waiting list and I took women on a journey. Mm -hmm. So it's been, you know, a year since we've been on this journey of figuring out what exactly is the crew. I mean, Mm -hmm. women meet once a quarter, they interface digitally with one another. We have an organizing principle around intention. So you Mm -hmm. decide what those are for the year. Mm -hmm. I want to get a promotion and let's say walk me through it someone if i signed up someone signs up how much time does it take before the full nine other members are matched to them right so once you get an email that says we found your crew right so once we've actually matched you Mm -hmm. we're going to give you a date the date of your inception gathering that's what we call the first event where you meet the members of your crew Mm -hmm. we want to make sure that you can attend that event so you're going to get that six to eight weeks in advance Um, And we're going to say, if you can hold this date on your calendar, great. But if you have a conflict, we're going to ask you to decline Mm -hmm. membership this round. We'll catch you in the next round because we want to make sure that everyone can attend that gathering. Uh, In between the time you sign up and the gathering, you're going to be thinking about, we're going to give you some exercises to think about what your intentions might be, how you want to leverage the crew. And when you meet the members of your crew, I get to introduce you uh, to them uh, mm-hmm. at an event. And that's where you, the you journey... personally? Well, no, right now we do it collectively. So talk to me about... Because I have so many questions. Okay. Yes. So the people who, who sign up, they go and they have this inception date or meet up. And then what happens next? And then they schedule dates for their future gatherings mm-hmm. for the year. They all look at their calendars. This is when we're going to meet. Mm-hmm. They go online, they upload their intentions into the portal. I want to 
go gluten-free. I want so many more Instagram followers. I need to get my financial house in order. I need to pay off my student loans, whatever their intentions are with actions against them. Mm-hmm. And is there someone guiding them? Not maybe individually, but is there someone saying, okay, it's it's May, so this month all the crew should think this way or do this thing or... Uh, we have a crew guide. We have a mm-hmm. community manager that's mm-hmm. there to make sure that everyone's having a great experience and that it's meaningful and that it's it's substantive. But the crews themselves are self-organizing in a lot of ways. So they take turns hosting the gatherings. The host is essentially the facilitator. Um, we provide a pure coaching model. So they have a series of questions that they want to, they ask one another. Everyone takes a turn going around and giving an update on their intention that they're struggling with. The person on their right is their note taker. The person on their left is their timekeeper. So there's a structure, there's a framework. And 75% of the women who applied work full-time in a company. A lot of them are managers. They have experience facilitating, hosting, and we're there to make sure, not physically present, but we're there to make sure that they're, they're advancing, but largely we're looking to make sure and, and support them in meeting their intentions. Like at the end of the day, we're here to make sure that they mm-hmm. are advancing their goals. Mm-hmm. And is it a, a monthly payment or you pay up front? Annual. An annual payment of, of uh, kind of the same price as a, as a, a conference sure. or something like that. And you're facilitating these, a lot of it's like you're finding common threads with people. Um, so when they're going in, they're already knowing, okay, this person may be within like, you know, like an age range or something that's relatable, or they may have been where I've been, where I'm going or something like that. And you're trying to have this conversation and, and people can feel like they're not doing it on their own. Yes. So, I mean, it's a peer model. So you're essentially with people who are at the same level or at the same stage as you are, but diversity is really important to us in the crew. So Mm -hmm. there are women from different industries, different family configurations. Some people have dependents, Mm -hmm. some people don't. People from different racial, ethnic backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it's one of the things that the members value. Mm -hmm. You know, they say, if I'd have left it up to my friendship group or my coworkers, I wouldn't have been in such a diverse crew. So that's That's, a really important piece of it. That's important too. Yeah. So yeah, if there's someone who's, Thinking about like how do I diversity in all in all counts? It sounds in all measures. It right. sounds like what you're saying, but that's actually answering a question that a lot of people have who are like allies who are just like how how do I broaden my horizons when you're telling me that I have to find it through my connections and I don't already have, have them the unfortunately. Yeah, and that's a great way. And another funny thing is that um, I just said this on stage in Raleigh Durham um, a few days ago. Someone was asking about like how do I how do I move forward and how do I break out of the same kind of rut that I'm in? And I said, you know, look around you. There's probably five, everybody find five people go to Red Lobster. I was joking about the place, but I wasn't joking. I was half joking. (laughs) If you've ever been to Red Lobster, you know, I wasn't joking all the way. I said, go to Red Lobster, have a monthly meetup at Red Lobster with five people that you met here because that so many people are looking for, I need this mentor who has a multi-million dollar company to be my mentor. And that's how I'm going to learn. That's how I'm going to progress. That's how I'm going to succeed. And really, most of the best things that happen to people that I've seen happen happen uh, in a linear way. It happened because they were helpful to somebody and that person ends up two years later in a gig that can help them in a different way or 
they know this person that you didn't even imagine they could know and add it to your network. So it's not always about chasing the headline speaker at an event. A lot of times it's everybody at the event. That's 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 really why you're paying that amount to go. That's it. And I've reaped the benefit of that. I mean, I'm the cumulative investment of a lot of women that have poured themselves into me. And I help, you know, I started the crew because I have a crew. And in fact, and if we back up, the problem that the crew was trying to solve for was one that I actually wasn't as conscious of as someone who does have a crew, who does do the meetings at Red Lobster, um, yes, which is um, biscuits. <laughs> which is that a lot of people don't necessarily have the bandwidth. So I, I actually meet with pretty much anyone that reaches out to me, which I've gotten a lot of flack for. People mm-hmm. are like, that is just insane and you're just too accessible. Mm-hmm. And Be you're careful what you to, wish for you know, right now. You, you know. heard her. You heard her. Um, don't want to kill it. But I feel like it's been really important. It's been an important part of my journey because listening to women's stories over and over and over and over again gives you a sense of what their challenges are, but also you get insights. And one of my observations in meeting with hundreds of women over the years is that even though we have a lot of people around us, like we have our friends, our family members, our coworkers, we largely perceive our personal and professional journey as if it's a solo endeavor, not a team sport. In other words, when we have a problem, our first question is, how can I solve this problem? Not, okay, who's going to help me solve this problem? Yeah, I could see this uh, really working well um, in themes too. Like it, it may already be the case, but like I hear all the time from CEOs that are any, any type of, I mean, any background, but CEOs that it's, it's an island and it's such a very specific role, um, whether you have two people on your team or a hundred, that they want some sort of like meetup that is like a, you know, like AA, but for for founders and CEOs, because you can be vulnerable there in front of another person that you may not want to do necessarily in front of your team or it may not be as relatable to your team. So have you all, do you all, or have you all thought about having it be themed? Well, here's why, what I definitely have thought about is once you ask women to upload their intentions, right, their goals, and you see on the back end that, wow, there's a lot of women who have very similar goals, very similar intentions. The first thing I naturally want to do is introduce them all to one another. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, we couldn't do that for the pilot for privacy reasons, but we're opening up an option for you to be able to see other people in the constellation. That's what we call ourselves, a constellation of women who have similar goals. To yeah. you. So it would be very helpful to know, oh, she's trying to, you know, lose 10 pounds too. Oh, she needs to file for a divorce too. Oh, yeah. she needs to get a promotion too. So they can begin to collaborate with yeah. one another yeah. based on what they're dealing with at the time. And lives are fluid. That might change. You might meet an intention and then you need to solve mm-hmm. for another one. Or even first time mothers or yeah, that's it. You know, people who are right now and they're six months and give me up. That's it. Do or you- people who are done doing that and don't want to do it again yeah absolutely <laughs> or who never will there you go or 
Hey, podcast listeners, I'm doing a little experiment, as you may have seen online recently. I want to incentivize you to leave a comment on Apple Podcasts and also give you a little gift for doing so, for taking the time out. I want you to leave an authentic review for your first million on Apple Podcasts. And when you do so, send me a message. You can DM me on Instagram. Arlen was here. A-R-L-A-N was here on Instagram. You can reach out to me by email or you can DM me on Twitter. Same handle. Arlen was here. Let me know your t-shirt size, your mailing address, and your full name. And let me know that you filled out a review for your first million on Apple. Right now, it's for Apple only. And once you do that, we'll take your information down and we'll get a shirt out to you over the next few days. All right, everybody looking forward to seeing you in those shirts. Was it difficult to raise the million? Yes and no. Yes, it was difficult because I actually kind of thought I knew what I was doing in a lot of ways. It's because I have experience fundraising in another sector. Uh, I spent time fundraising in the nonprofit sector. So I was like, oh, I've got this fundraising thing down. Uh, So I was a bit blindsided by the fact that it's very different. <laughs> I'm sure there are many people who are in the nonprofit profit sector now who think that right now, hey, can't be too different. Mm-hmm. This is going to be great for them. How is it very different? different. Um, one, the, the rate of rejection is really high. It's very high. I met with 64 investors during the process. 12 said yes. That's about 19, 20%. That's actually the highest I've ever heard in my life. Okay. And (laughs) just think about those numbers, right? So if that's very high. So if that's the highest, basically it's a rejection game. It's it's like being a you know, it's like it's like being an actor and going to auditions and getting that thick skin. Yeah. Because and they're talking about like your 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 heart and your passion. Right. Right. Well, what it is is you and keep in mind my first job out of college was as a telemarketer. Mm-hmm. So I'm also someone who has a lot of experience, like having people say no. There's something about having wealthy, you know, white men. I mean, the VC space is just filled with, you know, a certain type of people saying no over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And, at, you know, at the end of the day, at this level, people are investing in the founder. So when someone passes, it does feel like. It feels personal. And it feels personal. Yeah, it, it really does. It, does. it feels like they're saying no. I mean, it feels like they're saying they don't think I can pull this off. Not only personal, but it also, especially like I can relate to this and you can relate, I'm sure, is you're talking about a company that is going to have uh, women, for the most part, right, mm-hmm. as customers. Right. So what are you saying about women as customers when right. you're saying no to how valuable this is? And then it makes you even more angry and it's just like frustrated, you yeah, know? Yeah. Why? So that part, that, that part of it is hard. But the let's, let's stop hard. there and, and I will, I, I, cause I, I can already hear somebody saying, well, that's not, that's everybody. Everybody has goes through that. That's very true. Yes. Every founder, unless you're, you know, very small number of founders can go out and raise on nothing. Um, so yes, every founder has to go. Th- and those odds are really actually higher than I've ever heard, but it's a special kind of rejection when you're when you're when you know how much you've done on your own and what you have to face every day. And now I know I'm I'm kind of this is my recurring theme of everything in my life and I don't want to make it all about this, but I just for anyone who's just tuning in to what we're talking about and thinks 
well, what does that have to do with race? Like the game is the game at startups. That's hard to do. Yes, it is. But you have to think about the company that you're putting together. And so, so what, where did you start seeing that turnaround? Where are people starting to get it? So one of the things I think is really important to do um, and that I try to do a lot is to listen um, because that's how you get the insight and that's how you get the feedback. So, you know, people who are VCs, they listen to a lot of pitches. Like these are people who are kind of experts at deciphering pitches. So when you give yours the highest value, if you think about that success rate, you know, the rejection rate, the highest value is the feedback that you're going to get from all of these people. So try and pay attention to what is piquing their interest, I think is really important. So Mm -hmm. very quickly, there were three things that I was noticing people were talking about or people were observing. Number one, people started using this term founder market fit. I didn't know what any of these terms were before I started. But then afterward, they would say things like, you are the perfect founder. Yeah, you do have for this incredible founder you know, market com- company. Um, wow, everything that you've done in your life has kind of led up to this point. Explain what founder market fit means to people who don't know. Right. It means, well, as I understood it, as people were talking about it, it, it kind of means that you're perfectly positioned to speak to this market. But it also means subtly that you're the kind of person who would be doing this anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, when, when being a founder and, and scaling a company is a 24 seven grind. So, you know, an investor is kind of interested in someone for whom they would be getting up every morning and doing this anyway. And that is certainly the case with me, whether it's the crew, whether it's a book, whether like every day I am motivated by my life's work and by my passion. And this is what I'm here for. So mm-hmm. that is one piece that was attractive. The other piece was that we had essentially launched a business and not just a product. And this had to do with just me being a bit more old school um, and having like a mortgage and responsibilities <laughs> and not really understanding why anyone would like launch a cool product with no consumer to buy it. Like I just felt like, oh, I'm not going to put my children's life on the line, you know, or, or put their future at risk on a pipe dream. So it was really important to me that we be solving a problem. I had already identified what the problem was. That's what was driving me, that we created some kind of solution to that problem that people would pay for and that they would line up to pay for. And in my case, I kind of needed them to pay for it in advance because I didn't have a lot of resources. So I needed it to be a problem that they so wanted me to solve for them that they would give me that membership fee upfront so that then I could take the revenue from those membership fees and I could use it to actually build something. Hmm. And that was my litmus test as a founder to know there's this has got some legs. And then I needed to spend a little bit more time and get feedback from those people to understand. So we had what um, I soon learned was called a little bit of traction. Mm-hmm. Traction. <laughs> I didn't know I what that was. has notebooks out again. Yeah, yeah. That, that's called traction. Uh, and, you know, I think there was the timing, you know, the market timing is what they would describe it. So the fact that we're in this moment where female focused communities are, you know, on the rise, people are starting to pay attention to half the population, which is great. Yeah, look we at us. This, we're yes, here. we're here. We're having this huge demographic shift. I mean, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, you know, we'll be a minority white country by I think 2045. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the crew was attracting this really diverse consumer, 58% of the women who applied to the crew were women of color. And then you have kind of this backlash against social media. 
you know, people feeling higher rates of loneliness, people wanting real human connection. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a platform that was enabling that kind of connection, that's Mm -hmm. aspirational, that's meaningful, that's helping you move your life forward instead of just whittling your way on, I don't know, Instagram stories. (laughs) I also feel like, how do you feel about partnering with co-working spots? Like what comes to mind here is like a really cool partnership with the Riveter, who is a part of our portfolio, I'll say. Jane Club, who is not part of our portfolio, but we uh, definitely help uh, advise them. These are both West Coast. And then you have like Ethel's Club that's opening in New York. And then you have these, you know, different spots all around. What do you think about partnering with them to say, hey, here's some time. This is where you can meet when you have these meetups. You're so brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. We're already doing that. Oh, see, yeah. then that then you're more brilliant. Yeah, so no, what do you, what do you no, think? Yeah, so is no, that something it's, that it's I, is it breaking news? That it's, I, no, it's not breaking news. <laughs> it's just, it's very natural. Yeah. It's, you know, it's very natural alignment. Yeah. Um, Seattle's my hometown. Yeah. So I've great. already met with Amy with, Nelson. So with Riveter? Yeah. Okay. So with Riveter, with Luminary It's a perfect kind of vibe, right? Yeah. Like, because what I love about, like you say, it's that new wave is going to be in person. It's going to be real. It's going to be, I even with this podcast, I have not had one podcast episode that I didn't record in person. And I made that the mandate at the beginning of this, even with the crazy schedule, even with it being across all these cities. That was so important to me because you can have a wonderful podcast remote. Let me not, you know, step on anyone who's doing that. And I did that with Bootstrap VC. But there's just that extra thing. There's that there's a magic that you just can't replicate there's a texture yeah and it's it's i i i love things that bring people together through distance and i will never fault those things that's just put the world into everyone's uh fingertips at everyone's fingertips what are you what are you hoping for 2020 when it comes to the progress and growth of this company and the impact of it i first of all um getting to more women um we're really focused on women in the middle Uh, in the middle generationally. Uh, Many of the women that are in our network and that are applying are Gen X, you know, women, women in the middle of their careers, women in the middle of the country. Uh, I'm really excited that we've got women in in the Twin Cities, that we've got women in Chicago, that we've got women in Ohio, that, you know, we've got women in markets that we're not often getting to um, with some of our female-focused communities. It's part of the reason why I think Amy's doing a great job at The Riveter. Um, I know Kate at Luminary is thinking about that. So I think that's really great. But at the end of the day, I'm just here to support women and helping them create lives that they're passionate about. I'm just here to help them, you know, clarify and meet their life intentions. And if we can keep getting their feedback and executing and innovating in ways that help them to do that, I'm all I'm all for it. Wonderful. I just want to say thank you for for sharing this with us. It's been uh, illuminating. And um, I want to get on the wait list. Put me, uh, can I? Uh, where do I sign up? Arlen, Actually, you are, there's no wait list for Arlen Hamilton. <laughs> oh, please come on. <laughs> where, if anyone here wants to be on the wait list because they've heard about this, they yes. understand. Oh my goodness, it sounds awesome. How do they sign up? And can you give an indication of how long it, it may take for them? To, I mean, there's you know some of the best things you have to wait for. But just so they know. That's true. Um, first of all, they definitely want to go to findyourcrew.com and it's spelled C-R-U. So findyourcru.com. Uh, there's actually a referral cell. 
in the application, you definitely want to put um, your first million, put, oh, Arlen, cool. put Arlen's name. Yeah. Uh, that might bump me up on the way. Yes, yes, y'all do it, do yes. it. Please, please make sure that you do that so that mm. we can put a little star next yeah. to your name and make sure that we that you don't sit on the wait list for too long. Yeah, yes. either Arlen or your first million, because I, I, I would love to see some of you all there. And then... Uh, they'll find out, they'll get an email to let them know that you received their exactly. their application and then exactly. they, they will be on the wait list yeah. for that. Uh, I wish you the best. And how do people find you? Let's do it one more time. How do people find you, your book? Uh, and how do they see you on social media? Uh-huh. I'm at T. Dufu. So my last name is D-U-F is in Frank U. So T. Dufu on every platform. Mm-hmm. That's pretty simple. And then findyourcrew.com. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, it's Arlen. If you sign up for the crew, be sure you put either my first name, Arlen, A-R-L-A-N, or your first million podcast into the referral uh, area that that Tiffany described in her interview. I'm not getting paid for you to sign up, but I do want to know the impact and the effect of each episode. And so if a few people sign up through hearing it from me and from this podcast, that's really powerful information and data that I'd love to have a hold of. So be sure you uh, put that in. She also mentioned that if you put that information in, you will skip ahead in the line. Wow, that is powerful because there is a waiting list that's a mile long. You put that in, your first million or Arlen, in your referral space, you skip ahead by some measure. So I'm just saying, give it a try. Hey, so I'd love to talk to you and keep the conversation going. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Arlen was here. That's A-R-L-A-N was here. Stick around too, because I will let you know when my new book is going to be in pre-order. Now that's coming out in uh, 2020. It'll be out as the real book. Oh my goodness. And... It'll be, you'll be able to pre-order it most likely this year. So stay tuned. I'll let you know all about that on Twitter, on Instagram, and on this podcast. 